0: My name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. Great to have you guys with us tonight. We're going to start off uh, our talk with a a blast from the past that uh, is a sad reflection of my age and the popular advertising during my young to mid-teen years. So... Does anybody know that band? New Kids on the Block, New kids on the block Sarita. That's, if you're a 90s kid, you might be able to finish this. Oh, Yeah, we've heard very few voices there. Everyone's like, whoa, what? It's just in tough. And then that's basically the whole song. Just repeat that over and over somehow. We like that. It's because we drank too much pop, evidently. Uh, but we do, we think of the amount of money over the years that just the company Coca-Cola has spent on advertising. And they appeal to our sense of pleasure, don't they? Because we enjoy pleasure. Coke knows it as well as Starbucks, Apple, Google, about a trillion other companies. We are by nature pleasure addicts, aren't we? We are. That's why so, many, so much money is spent to get us to spend our hard-earned money On pleasure. We enjoy the taste of a cold Coke in the summer, and we enjoy a Starbucks in the winter. We enjoy the sun on our skin on vacation, sleeping in after a long week, and we enjoy a great meal. It's because we were made for pleasure. We were. And the rub for me when I grew up in the church was that I did not see God as pleasurable. You know, I attended church and heard the teachings of Christ, and to me it seemed like at the very most it was a great moral compass, necessary but dry, kind of like vegetables without ranch dip to dip them into. Yeah, preach, yeah, he hears that. Uh, So I saw it as less than enjoyable, and I had a desperate need to be happy. When I was a young guy, I wanted to be happy and it seemed like the elusive waters of happiness were found in the well of the world not in Christ steamy romance competition accomplishment popularity that's where i went and i think all of you can relate you see we're we're limited in every way intellectually we have a ceiling and you'll realize this more as you get older but we have a ceiling in terms of the amount of knowledge we can possess we have a limit to how much we can process, how, uh, the, the complex level of complexity of information that we can process. Physically, we understand that we're limited. Our bodies can only eat and drink so much. We can only stay awake or asleep for so long. I just talked to a guy who's about my age yesterday, who plays in this annual adult football league, Tackle. His bod- the 40-year-old body is not made for that anymore. And he says he has to take, you know, hot baths every night for about a month to recover. So we're limited in every way, but we have one area in which we cannot get enough. Our desire for pleasure is never satisfied, is it? Never. We think about it all the time. We'll go from Netflix to accomplishments to a nap to pleasing relationships, and we'll hit repeat over and over. We can't get enough funny YouTube videos or whatever it is. We always want more. That's why these different streaming media companies can rely on us, you know, binge-watching friends for the fifth time. Because we can't get enough pleasure. We desperately crave it. We have an insatiable desire for pleasure. And what I think is cool is the soul's infinite capacity for pleasure is mirrored by God's infinite capacity to give. So we have a perfect marriage that can only be found in Christ. He created us with a bottomless pit that desires to enjoy, that desires pleasure, and he has an infinite capacity to give. So he says, come to the waters, all you who are thirsty, and I'm going to give you something to drink. Come by and eat without money and without cost, and I'll satisfy you. The story of Job in the Bible highlights God's intent to be our main source of desire, our main pleasure. Satan comes to God and says, you think, you think that Job desires you above all. That's what you think, but take away his wealth and take away his family, and let's see what happens. Well, That happens, Job is tested, and Job responds, blessed is he who gives and takes away. So Job passes the test. So then the enemy comes back to God and says, yeah, you took his family and you took his wealth. But if you molest the man himself and make him miserably sick, then let's see what he does. He'll surely turn his back on you then. And Job did enjoy God more than he did his own life. In Psalm 63, it says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I'll lift up my hands. I'll be fully satisfied as with the riches of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. So we're to be more fully satisfied. God is more satisfying than Cameron Mitchell's. And I wonder, what's it like to love Jesus more than life? What's it like to love him more than I want my next breath? What's it like to love him more than my family? What's it like to love him more than my success? Because Jesus is not after my religion, simply attending services or doing good things in the name of God. He wants my heart to burn bright for him, to love him deeply. And I believe that's what you want too. You want to know what it's like to love God more than anything else or else she wouldn't be here. Through this series about enjoying God, we'll look at one simple big idea, and that's this. Some of you are wondering, what do I do? I've got this, I want to have a successful, productive, meaningful future, and, you know, if I just choose the right person, you know, if somehow I could just get married, or if somehow I could choose the right major, or the right place to live, or the right career, I'm going to give you the most important teaching in all of the Bible— what the whole Bible is about in this series. And if, if we adhere to the ultimate purpose of our life, we will never be purposeless again. And we'll be filled with joy, we'll be filled with direction, whether we're sitting behind a desk, digging ditches in a great and happy marriage, single, uh, 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 whatever. And here's, here's the whole point of the series, to enjoy God is our primary life purpose. That's it. Our primary life purpose is to be crazy about Jesus Christ. That's it. I believe God wants us to walk away from these four weeks or so with a firm understanding of our ultimate purpose so we don't get blown around like an utterless ship lost at sea, always looking but never finding true and real satisfaction. Nothing can shake us when our pleasure is found in Christ. Difficult decisions, tough relationships, the biggest of trials, financial hardships, nothing can shake us. We operate like little children who know my dad loves me with all of his heart and he's going to work out everything. To that end tonight, we'll look at how God wants us to enjoy him. And tonight, I want us to see that he wants us to enjoy being with him. That's his goal for us. That's his goal, more so than his goal is for us to reach the world or live a great life or anything else. His main goal is enjoy being with me, child. And if we do that, everything else will come. Everything else will come. The bitterness will be gone. The forgiveness for people you need to forgive will come. The addictions will fall away. Tonight is a taste of who gives pleasure. And I'm praying that We'll want more as a result. Then the rest of the series, will fill in with the practicals. In many ways, tonight is just like an introduction. Next week, we'll look at the problems or obstacles or hindrances that we face when we seek to enjoy God. Obstacles like hurry, bitterness, um, cluttered lives, those kinds of things. Then for the last two weeks, we'll look at how to grow in our enjoyment of God. And I mean this, too. I'm not trying to be cute. It's going to be delicious. I mean it. I use that word intentionally. I'm not trying to be cute. Let me tell you why. I know many of you are suffering intensely because you come here every Sunday, you go to home group, but your heart is far from God. You do not enjoy him. You enjoy the control that religious activities give you. You might enjoy the moral compass that going to church and being around Christians gives you. You might enjoy the way it makes you feel better or bigger than others. Or for some of you, there's hidden addictions in your lives and you're trying to serve two masters. And he wants more for us than that. So I'm not going to be cute in this series. I'm telling you what will bring us ultimate satisfaction. And if we say from tonight on after hearing this, I'm going to make my ultimate aim, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't feel good, to say, Jesus, you are my pleasure. The rest of my life is going to be consumed with finding pleasure in you so that when I'm tempted to worry, I'm going to fix my eyes on you and I'm going to go to your word, even when it doesn't feel pleasurable to be with you. Because when the fog of sin lifts and we choose him instead of the other thing, fill in the blank. We've tasted and we've seen that he's good. Have you ever had that experience? You decide, tonight I'm not going to look at pornography. Instead, I'm going to look towards the Lord. And you wake up the next day and say, This is so much sweeter, so much better than that. But at the time, it seemed like it would fill me. I'm getting ahead of myself. As you can tell, I'm a little bit excited about this series. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the fact that you are not a God of religion, you are a God of relationship, and you want us to find pleasure in our relationship with you. Lord, we lift up the many ways that you are using this church to help many other people find pleasure in you, that's our goal. Lord, we're pleased with our Father, with our Abba, with our Daddy, and we want many others to experience that as well, so we lift up young life. Lord, and our many leaders and students who are here from young life, Lord, that you would fill them, that their relationship with you would be first, that their passion for you would far exceed their passion for young life, so that as students and other leaders come in contact with them, they would see that your hands are tender and compassionate and powerful enough to walk them through this life. Lord, we pray for our three missions trips We pray that they would bear much lasting fruit in in both those that have been ministered to and in those who have gone on the trip. Lord, that they would have a uh, lifetime long uh, love for world missions and what you're doing around the world. And Lord, we pray that you would change them in how they walk out their mission here in their everyday life. We pray for our college summer discipleship program, Lord, our college ministry in general. Lord, that you would use this program to help ones find Joy in you, joy in your uh, community, the church, and joy in fulfilling your mission, the Great Commission all over the world. We pray for our home groups, Lord, these small communities that are committed to loving one another and loving those that you bring into these groups. We pray that you'd multiply them and grow them, Lord, and that many would see that you're good. Lord, we pray for safe families as well. Lord, that uh, many children, many families would taste of the richness of community, That you do indeed, it says in Psalm 68, set the lonely in families. Or that you would enable us, just like you've brought us into this family, that many would come into the church, would come into your loving arms, and find support in their darkest hour. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we go on tonight, I won't be providing main points, only verses on the screen. And this is intentional. It's not laziness on my end. The reason for this is that there's only one point. And I don't want us to miss it with a bunch of slides and stuff. Although I am a fan of the slides and points and all that stuff, usually. So I want you to listen as if your life depends on it, to the main purpose. Our primary purpose is to enjoy being with God. Our primary purpose is to enjoy being with God. Our primary purpose is... Said another way, happiness is found in Christ alone. Said in a negative sense, but same thing. Sin brings enslavement. God brings pleasure. He brings joy. For you facts and figures, people, enjoyment equals God. That's it. We must make it our daily moment-by-moment goal to battle the enemy who says, No, joy is found in this. Enjoy this. This is better. To say, no, even though my feelings right now are telling me that this addiction, this person, this goal, whatever it is, that's where I'm going to find true joy. I believe what God's word says and I'm going to stand upon it. And I'm going to believe that when this temptation lifts, I'm going to see glorious, dripping with pleasure, enjoyment with God. First, we need to recognize that we're not talking about enjoying a set of ideas. We're not talking about enjoying a set of actions that reflect a moral or Christian character. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking primarily about enjoying a person, God. That's why the Bible uses such colorful and beautiful language when it describes the desire that we're to have for the Lord. It's all over the Bible. And as we go through the verses that... Um, we're going to go through tonight just real briefly to get kind of a bird's-eye view. Make it a priority to memorize them. You know, I've already shared Psalm 63. Memorize Psalm 63. Write down these verses so that when you're tempted, so that when you feel like your times with the Lord are dry, and we all have that, you can reflect on these verses and remember that joy is found in Him. So that when you're tempted to go elsewhere, you can redirect that compass. When you're tempted to think, well, if I can just pro- solve this problem in my life, this career problem, this relationship problem, whatever it is, then I'll be happy. You can come back to these, no, even if my circumstances don't change, my pleasure is found in the Lord. So, in addition to Psalm 63, here we go. Psalm chapter 4, verse four, or sorry, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 rejoice in the lord always i say it again rejoice whenever we're told to say it again it's pretty darn important right so to rejoice is to be ecstatic it's to be relieved to be satisfied in something or someone have you ever lost your wallet or your purse i lost mine a couple weeks ago and i lost this little guy see it's a little fella and it's black, so it blends in with the floorboard of your car. So long story short, I look everywhere. It took me a couple hours. The very top of our house, which is our bedroom, it's a finished attic, all the way down and back up, all the way down. Every car, you know, the, our kid's car, my car, my wife's car. You know, you know, just totally frustrated. And then finally, I in my wife's car in a place I had already looked. I was going to go out to the baseball field and look there next. And I found it, and I rejoiced, and now I have a little Bluetooth thing in my wallet so that if I ever lose it again. Uh, So we rejoice. We, We know what it's like to rejoice. You rejoice when you win a championship or you accomplish something great at work or a relationship you have worked on for a long time is starting to grow in ways that it wasn't before. We know what it's like to rejoice, and that's what the Lord wants us to do in him. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, what we really want, the Lord knows, he's the author of pleasure, he knows what we really want way deep down, the real us. He knows what we want and he fulfills that if we'll just take delight in him and not other things. So to delight is to find great pleasure in something. Maybe you've found great delight in someone you haven't seen for a while who you love dearly, and you see him again. You know, you are delighted that now they've walked into the room. Psalm 32, verse 11 says, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. So to be glad in the Lord is to be pleased with him. You know, Becky was very pleased with our kids, uh, Anna, Timmy, and Josiah, on Mother's Day. And the reason she was is they had taken great care to write their mother and their grandmothers a very meaningful note on the card that reflected the uh, uh, the, the fact that those three women have given a tremendous amount of time and heart and love to them. And they reflected on very specific things and They reflected on the fact that they've been given a faith legacy by their mother and their grandmothers on which they walk on now. And they acknowledge that. I mean, I was in tears. And then to top it all off, they have no money. And every Mother's Day, they insist on sacrificing what little money they have to buy a gift for their mother and their grandmother, even though we always tell them, you don't need to do this. To the fact, just to give you an example... Josiah had $20 to his name that was left over for money we had given him on his birthday. And he gave it to Becky. I mean, to the point where Becky and I, and this, it was a romantic thing, but not what you're thinking. We were slow dancing in our living room later that day. And she was tearing up. And she looked at me and said, this is the best Mother's Day I've ever had. And she said, she was worshiping the Lord with me. She said, surely the boundary lines have fallen for us in pleasant places that is being glad in someone and that's what the lord wants from us to be glad in him to realize what he's done for us how much he loves us and to be glad in him it says in psalm 16:11 you make known to me the path of life you fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand pleasure ends right it's elusive You know, we have that great meal, and then we feel like we want to take a nap an hour later, and we're like, why did I eat that much, you know? You watch too much TV, and it's like, oh, man, I feel like a greasy potato chip or something right now. I just feel like I've become this food I've eaten, and I feel lazy, you know? We think, oh, I want a night in. You know, I don't want to... uh, We can kind of become isolationist and not want to spend time with other people, and then we think that night alone is going to make us feel good, and of course, a night alone is good from time to time, but... When it's constant, it start, we start to feel that we're growing kind of miserly, you know, kind of selfish. The pleasure wears off when the night's over. But this speaks of pleasure that is unending. It's eternal. Unlimited access to pleasure through Christ is ours. In Psalm 42, verse 1, it says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Do you know that the term lust is used in the Bible more for our desire for God than it is sexual attraction to another person? The reason why it's not translated in English to lust is because our understanding of lust is very different. So the translators know it would be confusing for us, so it uses other words. But lust is to intensely long for something. And we're to have that for God, a burning passion to be with him. Now, we are, I don't know if you've noticed this, but we are miles and miles away right now from religion, aren't we? We left religion way, way back there in the dust. We're not talking about that. We're talking about true, palatable pleasure, enjoyment in God. We are made to find enjoyment in God. It's found nowhere else. That's why we can never get enough, because we look in the wrong places. And this is how it works. Romans chapter 5, verse 11, speaking of Christ, it says, Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So we rejoice in God. We find pleasure in Him. Our desire is fulfilled through the person of Jesus Christ. You see, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. So Jesus suffered to bring us back into right relationship. Had he not, we would have been incinerated in God's holy presence. He suffered to give us the ability to make much of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells us at salvation. The Holy Spirit's job, that that member of the Godhead, Godhead, so to speak, his job is to fill us with desire for God when we walk with him. We can't do it on our own. He didn't suffer to bring us heaven minus God. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we could get fire insurance. Well, now I'm saved and I I get to go to heaven when I die. That's part of it, but he died to give us a pleasurable relationship with him Now, he didn't die to give us blessings minus God. Here, get all this good stuff with God, but you've got no real intimate relationship with him. He suffered because he wanted, catch this, he wanted us to be in a gloriously intimate and pleasure-producing relationship with us. I'm going to say that again. He suffered because he wanted us to be in a gloriously intimate and pleasure-producing relationship with us. We know this love because 1 John 4 says in verse 7 through 9, Dear friends, let us love, for one, love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So love we have for other people, whether it's evangelism, missions, whatever it is, it is to pour out of a heart that's been loved by God. You know the litmus test for is someone truly living and walking in and, and enjoying God. You know the litmus test, it's very easy. Are they consumed with the desire to meet the needs of broken people who are far from God? All you got to do is look at our calendars. It's the real deal. If it's all focused on me, myself, and mine, and what my family and my situation, then we are not enjoying Christ. Because this is how it works. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's not that we love God. That's not the point. The point is that he loved us first. We can't do anything for God. We're lost, we're broken, we're sinful, we're stained by sin and its consequences. It's only because he first loved us that we can do a darn thing for God. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So we know the love of the person of God, that is Christ, through the loving action of that person. He demonstrated it on the cross, rescuing us from our sins. Worship team, you guys can go ahead and come on up. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says, or thereabouts, I might be off a verse or so, I'm just realizing that. But it says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Okay, so we can see it, being understood from what has been made, that's creation, so that people are without excuse. In other words, all that's good in life That's created by God is to bring us pleasure and fill our bottomless tanks, our pleasure-sinking tanks with his presence. So the sweet taste of honey, for instance, when you taste it, the Bible speaks often of honey. And it's to remind us when that hits our lips. I have peanut butter toast every morning with honey on it. Delicious. Every time I taste that honey, the reason why honey exists. Oh, man. The Lord is sweet. It's to be a reminder. God's love is compared to the love of a mother in Scripture. So when we see a mother loving on uh, her little one who's fallen and skinned her knee, or the little fella who's being rocked to sleep by his mother, we're to, re- we're to be reminded that the Lord is tender and compassionate. When someone gives and gives of their time and money and resources, we're not to bring glory to that person. We're to be reminded that God is gracious. Then we take all of those qualities and we multiply them by 750 billion. And then we say, it's even beyond that. And we say, that's how great God is. When I walk in the woods, it used to be that I always felt like I had to be doing all these things. I'm like memorizing a a, a passage of scripture. I'm Praying for a certain country, and I'm doing all this stuff, and and it would just get kind of overwhelmed. Until this last year, I've tried to focus on enjoying the Lord, and to where now I can look up at a tree, and say, Lord, I know that I learned in science class a long time ago that the sap goes up there and it does this and that. But even with even though I know it, that's amazing. That thing has been around for hundreds of years. And I hear the little birds chirp, 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 chirp. You know all that stuff, and I see little squirrels and all that stuff, and I'm like, God, you are such a God of detail and beauty and humor. You know, watching these birds fight and the squirrel Armageddon—that is my neighborhood. You know, all the squirrels everywhere, and anything, everything good and perfect, comes from the Father of Heavenly Lights. It is meant to be a mirror of His glory. And this deep desire we have for pleasure is to remind us that God will never grow tired of giving. Our spouse will fail us. Retirement will not be what we think it is. The job will not fulfill us and give us the purpose. We think that it will. The romance and the fact that maybe that other person's world revolves around you now will make you sick later if that's the center of your universe. But he never tires in giving to us. He knows that we're pleasure addicts. All of creation is to reflect his glory. The whole Bible is a story of broken pleasure. That is, we had life with God. And uh, in the very beginning, Adam and Eve walked in the cool of the day. They were with God and everything was perfect. It was a pleasurable, enjoyable relationship with God where there was no need Then sin entered the picture, and God set about his mission, which he is still on now, to bring us back, to win us back from sin's promise that it will bring us pleasure into a place where we find pleasure in him alone. That's the whole point. Through Christ, we can enjoy life forever. We can find pleasure beyond our wildest dreams, That's why it's such a daily battle like Job. If we make it our life's life's aim to find pleasure in the Lord, not our life's aim that I'm going to go to India someday. That's a great goal, but it's, it's the second goal. The first goal is I will find pleasure in the Lord. If that becomes our life's aim, joy is ours beyond our wildest dreams. But we will have to, in our hearts, in our minds, realize that it's game on. It's a tremendous battle, and there are obstacles, landmines that are placed all around us as we seek to find joy in the Lord. And we're going to look at some of those things next week. I'm kind of tired. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that pleasure is found in you alone. Lord, this church, the relationships we have in this church, they will fail us. Our spouses will fail us. Our children will let us down. Lord, our jobs will ultimately not be the place we find ultimate fulfillment. Lord, the things that we seek for escape will leave us high and dry. Lord, but thank you that you never sleep or slumber. You never grow tired of giving us good things. Please, Lord, help us, help us, help us. Increase our desire to find pleasure in you. We know it's there, Lord. Help us to turn from sin, to turn from broken wells that really have no water, and turn to you, Lord, the fountain of living water that wells up into eternal life. We worship you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.